Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at noon to promote and defend public education. Now, as we tell you every week, that is a very specific kind of education. It is education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is publicly accessible to all children, which means that it has to be free, secular and universal. It should be publicly owned and controlled and it should be the only one that's publicly funded because it's the only one that can possibly be publicly accountable. And our governments should provide a first-rate public education for every child in a democracy that is both representative and responsible. Well, we know that our democracy is, falls far short of being properly representative and responsible. But we keep battling and the battle is going to be um, expanded uh, in coming days, years, because of what is happening in America. Now, we're not making any apology for telling you what is happening in America because what is happening in America is very relevant always to what happens in Australia since our Australian politicians and uh, some of our administrators just insist on repeating America's failures 10 years after they've failed. So what is happening in America? This is our press release 682, which is going up on our website at www.adogs.info. Here's a name for you. Betsy DeVos. She is Trump's new education secretary. She's pro-voucher, pro-charter, pro-choice, anti-public education. On Wednesday, the 23rd of November 2016, President-elect, and remember he is elect, Donald Trump of the USA announced that Betty DeVos as his education secretary. Now this lady has a pretty public record of her advocacy in the K-12 education space. She's the former chairwoman of the Michigan Republican Party and she's worked through her advocacy group to advance an agenda promoting so-called school choice. Programs that provide free alternatives to public elementary and high school education through either public charter schools, which are typically privately managed but publicly funded, we know all about these, don't we, listeners, or by providing families with public funds to pay for private schools, that is, vouchers. So just who is she? 
Here are five things to know about this lady, Betty DeVos, whom President-elect Donald Trump has picked for her education secretary. She is, first of all, a top Michigan GOP, that is, a Republican fundraiser. As a member of the DeVos clan of West Michigan, she is one of the top Republican fundraisers in that state. The family has given millions over the years, including about 10 million in the most recent political cycle for Trump, or at least to elect Republicans, because she's never quite come out before the election in favour of Trump. Including uh, this money has been given to the campaign to to, uh, elect two other presidential candidates, the former Florida Governor Jeb Bush and the United States Senator Marquia Rubio. During the presidential campaign, Betsy and Dick DeVos, because she has a husband, never publicly supported Trump, although other members of the DeVos clan donated $245,000 to a fund to help elect Trump and other Republican candidates. Here's the second thing that you should know about her. Secondly, she has a husband who ran unsuccessfully for governor. Her husband, Dick, is the son of the Amway co-founder, Richard DeVos. I don't know how many of you know about Amway, but it is a fairly typical pyramid scheme that was running in Australia uh, for people, particularly in the country areas who didn't have have too many jobs going, uh, who got roped into these schemes. Now... The husband, Dick, ran as a Republican nominee, as we've already mentioned, for Michigan governor against the incumbent, Jennifer Granholm, in 2006, and he lost. So he is a a failure in that he did not get to the governorship. But he and his wife have been involved in Republican politics probably since they were born. So what's the third thing to know about this lady? She has very other are the very interesting family ties. She's the daughter of the West Michigan businessman Edgar Prince, whose auto supplies company made light advisors and many other products before being sold to Johnson Controls in 1996. And her brother, Eric Prince, is a former Navy SEAL who founded the private security company Blackwater, which came under considerable scrutiny and criticism for actions, their actions, during the Iraq War. Namely, she's been involved in the private army sector as well as the private education sector. What else do we need to know about her? Fourthly, she's a very big vouchers advocate. In 2000, Betsy and Dick DeVos funded an unsuccessful statewide ballot initiative to amend the state constitution, which allowed tax dollars to be used for private school tuition through education vouchers. And they have since advocated for school vouchers in other states. In 2012, Dick DeVos led the charge in getting the legislature to make Michigan a right-to-work state, eliminating work rules that made financial support of unions a condition of employment for teachers in public schools. 
The DeVosses founded their own charter high school, the West Michigan Aviation Academy, located on the grounds of the Gerald R. Ford International Airport in Grand Rapids. Fifthly, she is very much a backer of school choices and charter schools. But listeners, before you um, get all anti-Republican, remember that Obama himself sent his children to a a charter school in Washington. So the uh, other side are not uh, clean on this matter either. Now, the DeVosses are into the business of education. They founded their own charter high school, the West Michigan Aviation Academy, which we've already mentioned was located in the grounds of the Gerald Ford International Airport in Grand Rapids. And they've been big backers of charter schools in Michigan. They've actually heavily funded candidates who share their views and pushed back against efforts to require more accountability for charter schools. Because no, make no mistake, the charter school business model is the for-profit model. And this lady has a lot of money to invest and make profits with. And she's doing it. DeVos is chair of the American Federation for Children, a Washington, D.C.-based single-issue organisation devoted to expanding schools of choice options across the country. So you cannot say that this lady does not have a king-size, or should I say queen-size, conflict of interest. Speaking in July during a school choice forum at the Republican National Convention in Ohio, this lady accused teacher unions of holding back innovation in education and called them a formidable foe at both state and national levels. Listeners, let's hope they remain a formidable foe of what this lady is after. In Michigan... DeVos sits on the board of the Great Lakes Education Project, which has operated as her influential family's school choice advocacy arm in Lansing. For the past 14 years, the group has been actively advocating its educational reform agenda in both the Capitol and State House and Senate elections, particularly in the Republican primaries. Now, already there is opposition in America to this appointment. Lily Eskelson Garcia, who is president of the National Education Association, issued a statement immediately saying that DeVos has done more to undermine public education than support students. This is what she said. She's lobbied for failed schemes like vouchers, which take away funding and local control from our public schools, to fund private schools at taxpayers' expense. These schemes do nothing to help our most vulnerable students while they ignore or exacerbate glaring opportunity gaps. DeVos has consistently pushed a corporate agenda to privatise, deprofessionalise and impose cookie-cutter solutions on public education, Garcia said. By nominating Betsy DeVos, the Trump administration has demonstrated just how out of touch it is with what works best for students, parents, educators and communities. David Hecker, who's president of the American Federation of Teachers in Michigan, called the intended appointment devastating for public education. It has to be approved, of course, by the Senate. 
because DeVos has devoted her career to undercutting public education by advocating private charter schools. Hecker says he feels bad now that the remaining 49 states will have their education policy influenced by someone intent on enriching those in the private charter school industry. She wants her million and billionaire friends to profit off childhood education, Hecker said. The Michigan Democratic Party also criticised the intended appointment in a statement on Wednesday. That's just this last Wednesday, listeners. The party's chairman, Brandon Dillon, said that DeVos is someone who has made it her life's work to channel her family's massive wealth towards destroying Michigan's public education system and now she's about to oversee the policy and direction of education for the whole entire United States. She's consistently encouraged and enabled attacks on public education school teachers and our children's right to a quality public education in order to line the pockets of corporate charter school investors and make her family's extremely conservative views part of a mainstream curriculum. So what's on the Diana Ravitch blog? The Diana Ravitch blog is always interesting to look at, listeners, because Diana Ravitch used to be pro-charter schools and pro-choice, and she turned right around when she saw what damage it was actually doing. She was at the school level and she was a genuine educator and in the end she rejected the failed ideology. So on her blog she has put something by, uh, that has been written by a man called Mitchell Robertson. He's a professor of music education at Michigan State University so we thought Robert would quite like this and our other musos around here in the, in the uh, 3CR studios. This is what he writes about Betty DeVos and what what the people of Michigan know. He says, she's the one who wants to monetize education spending and voucherize the schools so that families can spend their education dollars wherever they want. The news, he said, that Donald Trump has named Betty DeVos as his choice for Secretary of Education is just another brick in the wall for Mr Trump's plan to turn the United States into a giant flea market, selling off the bits and pieces of a once great nation for parts to the highest bidders. Listeners, isn't this what Mr Kennett started doing to our state here in Victoria? We know all about these politicians who sell off our inheritance into a giant flea market selling off the bits and pieces of a once great nation for parts to the highest bidders. Mitchell Robertson said that he had to laugh in recent weeks as folks set off alarms at the rumours of Michelle Rhee or Eva Moskowitz being appointed to the position of Education Secretary. The truth is, he says, that Rhee and Moskowitz are mere amateurs at this school privatisation scheme. For Pete's sake, Ms Moskovich, he says, still spends her days actually stepping foot into the schools in New York City, terrorising students and teachers. And Ree, a former teacher for America Recruit, whose go-to classroom management technique was taping the mouths of her reluctant scholars, has been in hiding after, after a disastrous run as superintendent of D.C. schools. 
an experiment that ended in failure for all concerned and threatened to dim the rising star of the corporate reform movement until recently when she and her icky hubby re-emerged for a photo op at Trump Tower. Betsy DeVos, he says, on the other hand, is a pro at this privatisation game. And unlike Rhea and Moskowitz, who depend on the kindness and financial backing of others, Betsy has the financial wherewithal to bankroll her own plans. Like her new boss, that's Trump, Mr DeVos allegedly won't be beholden to any special interests in her efforts to turn our public education system into a Sotheby's auction. Rest assured also that unlike Miss Moskowitz, Betty DeVos hasn't been spending any of her valuable time in schools lately and certainly hasn't been close enough to a real live student to tape them up, even though I'm sure she approves of Miss Rees' approach to building a safe and welcoming classroom environment. No, Miss DeVos has been busy dreaming up new ways to capitalise on the billions of taxpayer dollars currently being wasted on children, teachers and schools and helping her puppet in the Michigan Governor's residence with his plan to destroy the state's schools. Remember, he writes, Michigan is the state where the Governor poisoned the water in one of the city's largest cities and more than 400 days later has still refused to replace a single water pipe. And the state whose lawyers recently claimed, and uh, Mitchell swears that he's not making this up, that the state's children had no fundamental right to literacy. This is Betsy DeVos and Rick Snyder's dream of how a state should govern, that a state and its elected officials have no responsibility to provide clean drinking water or a quality education for its children. It's a dystopian vision of the future that absolves the state's leaders and institutions from providing, maintaining, repairing and supporting its schools, roads, water systems and infrastructure or protecting its most vulnerable citizens from the permanent damage caused by a a poisoned water supply. So, if you want to know what our new federal education policy is going to look like under Secretary DeVos, what has happened in Michigan under Governor Snyder and bankrolled and supported by the DeVos family provides perhaps the best example of what to expect. Robinson goes on to tell the story of the Skunk Works, which was a secret gathering of Snyder allies intent on turning public schools into a virtual bonanza for profiteers. And I'll read you this, um, listeners, because I think this is very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of capital wandering around the world looking for profits and they have discovered not just uh, that profits can be made from motorists on toll roads but a tremendous amount of money can be made from insecure lower middle class student uh, parents who are in search of special uh, treatment for their gifted children. As we all know, there's a lot of gifted parents around and these gifted parents often want to uh, make sure that their children get the inside running in the relay race, which has become, which is now being running in, in, run in the jungle that these people are creating in our society. 
So this is what he says. The idea behind what he calls Skunk Works plan was to radically increase the use of technology, that is virtual charters and online classes, to dramatically reduce the number of teachers needed and to decouple tax dollars from schools by providing every student in the state with an education debit card that could be used for a wide range of educational experiences, like music, lessons, art class or sports teams. Doesn't this sound just a little bit like what's happening in our privatisation of TAFE that is happening in Australia at the moment with all our private um, providers that have just got a nice little $19 billion out of the Federal Treasury uh, with lots and lots of students that are coming away not even with a certificate and if they have a certificate it's worthless but they do have a loan. Now, the ultimate goal of these Skunk Works ideas was to create a new value school model in the state, delivering schooling at a per-student cost of roughly $5,000, over 2000 less than the average reimbursement provided by the state for each child enrolled in a district school, with edupreneurs pocketing the balance. For Snyder and DeVos, the purpose of education is not to help develop a more informed and educated citizenry or to help children become more fully human by providing a comprehensive high-quality curriculum, including music, art and physical education in addition to the rest of the disciplines. Oh, no. The purpose of education under Snyder and DeVos is to turn the state's once excellent system of public schools into an educational Walmart, boasting Low, low prices in place of quality instruction. Mr Voss is the perfect ideological mate for Mr Trump. Neither seems concerned with allowing petty little things like rules, regulations or ethics get in the way of them pursuing their agendas. The Constitution only applies to the little people, not the billionaire deciders who are going to make the rules in the Trump administration. Betsy DeVos is the absolute worst possible choice for Secretary of Education. So it's no surprise that Trump chose her for this Cabinet post. Her appointment is much closer to Trump's choice of Steve Bannon as Chief Strategist than it is to his choice of Rance Prabus as Chief of Staff. One is a party insider who'll make the trains run on time. I'm very interested that he said that because personally, listeners, I've always thought that Trump sounded more like a Mussolini than a Hitler. But the other is an arsonist who will happily burn the train station to the ground. Betsy DeVos's mission is no less than the total destruction of public education. Her apparent support for charters is merely a head fake to the right to distract us from her ultimate goal of decoupling state and federal dollars from supporting schools of any type. Under Secretary of Education DeVos, we will see the emergence of a two-tiered educational system. One will be a system of elite private and religious schools for the well-to-do, mostly white parents with the means to afford expensive tuition payments, staffed by qualified certified teachers with a rich curriculum based on face-to-face instruction in clean, safe, well-maintained schools. 
That's the kind of education that Mr Trump got himself in a private school and his children also, and I'm sure DeVos's children also. The other one will be a parallel system of fly-by-night virtual and online schools that open and close seemingly at random and for-profit charters operated by scam artists like Northern Michigan's Dr Steve Ingersoll with little to no state or federal regulation or oversight and a bare-bones, back-to-the-basics curriculum delivered by unqualified and uncertified teachers. Well, there you have it. Welcome to the Hunger Games of public education, he says. But Betty DeVos needs to hear loudly and clearly that her cynical, selfish, profit-focused vision of public education isn't constitutional. It's predatory. And her approach is not that of an educational leader, it's that of a vandal. So the people in America are girding their loins to protest and fight. And that, of course, is what the dogs have been doing for the last 50 years. Because what is happening now in America has already happened in Australia, but uh, the privatisation movement, as we all know, has been led by religious bodies that um, try to mask their so-called <laughs> Christianity with a little bit of charity here and there. But we know what the charity led to. Well... Uh, that's the press release for this week and we'll have a little bit of a break now and a bit of music and then we'll see what Robert has to say. Thank you. 
Well, we were just hearing uh, some Kachaturian there with the flute with that uh, Northern Irish gentleman who knows how to play his flute that we had last week. But um, now we go over to Robert. Uh, oh, hello, Jean. How are you going? Not too bad, thanks. Uh, we've just been... Well, it seems that American politics are, are dominating, but I'm not going to apologise to our listeners for this because, um, as I said before, we seem to insist on repeating American mistakes in this country. Well, I certainly hope we don't, because they're making a huge run at the moment, as you've probably been talking about, Jane. Well, the um, the natives are fighting back, Robert, because over there in America, I'm just looking at some figures. Clinton got 64,226 votes to Trump's 62 million, more than, more than 2 million more. Oh, my goodness. We can't talk about popular votes in electoral colleges here on the Dogs Program. We'll be here all, all, all right. day and the next day. No, 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 but you're right. I mean, it's, um, well, basically between 25 and 30% of the population of the United States voted for Donald Trump. Um, and now he's the, he's the president. I think that's what they call it, president, isn't it? Yes. But um, I, I don't really want to talk about him at the moment because um, he's going to be sidelined pretty quickly if he's going to appoint people like Ms. Ms. DeVos. To the education secretary, now you've been mentioning things about her, haven't you? Yes, yes, of course. What have you been finding out, Robert? Well, I've been finding out that Ms DeVos has been playing this game since 1993. Oh, that's a long time. No, I didn't find that one out. I I thought she'd been doing it since 2000, so it goes back a bit further, yes. No, DeVos and her husband, who are philanthropists, actually played a role in getting Michigan Charter School laws passed in 1993. And ever since then, as you know, have worked to protect charters from additional regulation. Uh, This is back in the day that when Michigan lawmakers, I mean, this year, were considering a measure that would have added oversight to the charter schools in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, What what that means is that other people who aren't people in the school can come and have a look at what's going on and say, hang on, is that all right or not? Mm. So the Michigan lawmakers thought that that might be a good idea. But... um, the current education secretary and her family poured about $1.5 million, um, that's just this year, into the legislators' campaign coffers, which is an average of about $25,000 a day for seven weeks to make sure that there was no oversight of charter schools in Michigan. And do you know what happened? There is no oversight in any legislation of schools in Michigan and indeed Detroit. So this is the person who's going to be running the education, or she's the education secretary for the United States of America. It's like putting the fox to watch over the chickens, isn't it? Well, it's interesting because up until this point, she's been passionate about passionate, passionate about education in Michigan. About and making so money in Michigan. Well, absolutely making money, but we'll, we'll come to that because... What's happened in Michigan is a microcosm of what's likely to happen to the United States if she gets her way. Now, her particular influence over, you know, almost two or three decades in the charter school sector mean that in Michigan it's, in fact, one of the most least regulated education systems in the United States. Roughly 80% of charters in Michigan are run by, have a guess, private companies. 
But they're publicly funded. The money, the money to run publicly them. Publicly funded, private companies. And by the way, that's far more than in any other state in the United States of America. So all the other 50 states don't have anything like 80% of charter schools running their education systems. Now in Michigan, the state authorities have done little to ensure that charter schools are effectively serving students. There is no oversight. And that actually, <laughs> the federal government before the election was deeply concerned about the quality of education in Michigan because they couldn't find out what was going on. But now the federal authorities are DeVos. She is the federal authority. So she can't have an oversight on something that's just very poorly that she herself has designed. Now, in fact, in Michigan, there's a lot of schools that are doing poorly and charter organisers do not seem to be taking any necessary action to improve performance or close underperforming charters. Now, why would, indeed, a private company want to either improve performance or close their money-making organisation because of poor quality? Why would they? Because it's a private company. This is, I mean, this is not even going back to the 19th century. It's actually going back to pre, pre-revolution America. Worse than that, it's, um, it's way, way back into the 18th century. It's it really is. quite it scary. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinary when you get all sorts of problems. I mean, have you spoken about what, she, what, what DeVos's ideas about um, the Common Core are? No, no, no. Let's hear that. Well, this is, this is actually, from my point of view as an educator, even scarier. Now, in America, I mean, here, here, here in Australia, we have this thing called the National Curriculum, which everyone jumps up and down about whether it's good or bad. But it basically means that every person who has a child in any school um, in Australia, public or private, um, as part of the National Curriculum, they have to do their readings and their writings and their arithmetics and they get some science and they get some this and they get some that. And then they're and, tested um, on it. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but, yep. but basically there is some form of assurance mm. in Australia that if you pop out of the end of school, you've got some knowledge. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, but the idea, but the, but the principle's there. Now, in the United States, that, that principle is called the Common Core, which is if you're going to open a school and start teaching stuff, you have to teach stuff from the Common Core. That's your readings and your writings and your arithmetic and your bit of science and your bit of writing, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, DeVos, the new education secretary in the United States of America, really doesn't have a lot of time for a common core. Neither does Mr Trump. No, she thinks that's just all a waste of time and it's, it's uh, interference from big government. Now, um, now, the whole idea of the common core is it's a shared learning standard that's been adopted by most of the states. But from her point of view, she, she has up until this point supported efforts to raise and standardise expectations of what's going on. But, and this is the big but, she believes in individuals' freedom. Freedom. Now, this word freedom can be used in all sorts of ways, and she's saying it can be used in the context of freedom from having to teach kids anything. What about freedom of children to not even go to school? then she wouldn't even have any schools to make money out of, would she? Well, if children didn't even have to go to school. If, if you, I mean, that's the, next, that's the next obvious, um, if you're going to have choice, 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 choice. Why should children have to go to school or be educated at all? Why have an educated populace? 
she can't saying, go down that line because then she won't make any money. Ken, what she's saying is, if you open a school, you can kind of teach anything you want. Yes. If you don't want to teach evolution in your school, you don't have to. If you want to have a curriculum that has separate teachings for girls and boys, you can do that. If you want to open a school and you want to make sure that there's no black kids in it, you can do that. That's all related to personal freedom. The whole voucher system, as we know, Jean, um, is been going on in the United States for some time, and this will accelerate it. It's about resegregating, resegregating the population. It's about resegregating the population by resegregating the children. You have white children in white children's schools, black children in black children's schools. You have um, various forms of Christianity, making sure that their government-funded schools can only service people from their own particular denominations and their own particular people who have peculiar articles of faith, no matter what they may be. And this is what divorce is all about. The social consequences of mucking around with the United States of America's education system by privatising, voucherising, and getting rid of common curriculum means that the whole thing turns into this giant morass. In fact, I would suggest, and I've said it before, that in the United States of America, they're heading for a situation where the next generation of Americans are going to be less well-educated than the previous one. Yes. Some people will call that a turning point or a peak of civilization. now we're on the downward slide. But, I mean... In educational terms, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the reason I'm saying that's exactly what's going to happen is it's been proven. It's been proven in Western Australia to have no benefit. It's been proven in the United Kingdom to have detrimental effects. And when vouchers have been introduced in places like Michigan, educational standards have dropped. Except in Michigan, you're not even allowed to look at the educational standards because the current education secretary has prevented it. Yes, well, it's a brave new world, uh, in a post what you call a post-truth society, Robert. It's uh, it's a very interesting um, scenario. However, um, there are plenty of people in America, as in Australia, who are prepared to fight back. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to be around in the next. Uh, if you're an educator, watching all of this unravel. In the next um, year or two, uh, we're seeing that there's a lot of questioning going on in Western Australia and in England and in America about all of this. Uh, and um, I'm not quite sure that I'd like to be DeVos in her job. And I'm not quite um, sure that um, I'd like well, to even be Mr Trump. there is some evidence that from herself personally, this is the woman personally, there is some evidence to suggest that she's not really um, a Trump person. She hasn't supported Trump up until this point, even even, even though he was the nominee and now he's the president. And ah, but her family called, have. Her family have given well, yeah. hundreds and, and, of... And, and she's actually um, quite pro... Um, um, she, well, she's basically been fighting people in the, in the Republican Party who are anti-gay and anti-Muslim. Mm. She has some ideas of social inclusion, but um, I'm not quite sure how this whole thing is going to play out if she's interested in creating a privatised education system that's devolved to local authorities across the United States. It's just craziness. Well, Robert, 
thank you very much for your thoughts on this matter. I'm glad that you agree with uh, with my press release for this week, and uh, that we're in accord. And um, and uh, we shall look forward to your comments mm. next I week mean, on I, these developments. I've just got one thing to add about this 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 woman yes. who is going to be the education secretary. Um, the reason she's in this position is that her family made a lot of money. Um, not her, but her family, and they've left it um, to a foundation which she is one of the people who controls this foundation. Um, and it's a foundation of $1.2 billion. And it gives away money and political donations. The political donations that this foundation has given away have been to oppose gay marriage, support the voucher system and to sway lawmakers for increasing um, so they don't have to look at what goes on in charter schools. This is what she's been doing up until yesterday. That's been what she's been doing. With her now, family's money. Education, with her family's money. And as Education sector, Secretary, she would not be able to rely on the personal law and approach to get things done. But... Um, that's not to say that she wouldn't use the force and the, the resources of the nation against itself. Uses the forces of the nation against its own better judgment. So I'm glad there is Diane Ravage and I'm glad there's us because there's going to be a big fight over there. Very interesting. Huge. Yeah. Well, I think huge. in the process then um, the very basic ideological foundations of our democracies, uh, both America and Australia, are actually going to be out there to be discussed and it is more than time that we did this because for years and years Robert particularly in the area of education we've been talking about process we've been processing ourselves very happily sometimes into closing schools for example and um, we're not allowed to talk about the really hard ideas and the hard objectives as to whether or not Education actually does have an objective over and above learning to read, write, do arithmetic and make money for the big religious organisations that run schools. Well, in Australia. Uh, in Australia. Big money-making private organisations around the world. It's got a sense of craziness to it. It really does. No, it's got a I sense mean, of, yeah. of going back in history to me, to the early 18th century and uh, back even into the medieval times. But, this um, woman wants to run the entire education system of the United States of America in the same way as Australia run its, has run its TAFE system for the last five years. I'm not quite sure how she's going to do it because they're going to get rid of the Department of Education. So who's going to do her bidding? Well, this How's question, she going to do it? Just one person? Uh, yeah, well, no, <laughs> she's, she's, she's going to be the change management champion. She's the person that's going to get rid of her own department. <laughs> And then who's going to who's going to um, put her ideas into practice? I mean, I think it's all it's going to be very interesting looking at this small government in the United States blowing itself apart. Okay, well, thank you so much for uh, giving us your thoughts this week, and um, yeah. until next week, uh, we'll we'll uh, have a bit of music. I think. And so, I'd like to uh, thank very much Chalk Peak, your National Education News Network. Yes. Um, for the information and research that I've been doing. So thank you very much, Chalk Beat. Good on you, Robert. Okay. Bye-bye. Till next week. Bye. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, 
Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. Well, we've been talking a lot about America. Let's get back to Australia. We have our own very interesting people here and it's a very interesting situation. And uh, in the last week, Trevor Cobalt has been very busy. He has got an open submission to the National Education Minister's Council and the title is very interesting. Private school funding is corrupted by special deals. I don't think dogs even could come up with a better quote than that. But uh, he's uh, put this in with lots and lots and lots of facts and figures because that's what Trevor's good at to the um, National Education Minister's Council, uh, COAG. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see if they even tell him that they've received it. But the dogs have got it. We've got it. So it's going to get an airing on 3CR. And he is calling for the end to special funding deals behind closed doors, of course, for private schools, according to his submission. He says that special deals have corrupted private school funding and have provided more than $3 billion a year in overfunding. Well, the dogs could be saying this. The dogs were saying this 50 years ago and they were ignored. So it does our heart good to find somebody else saying the same sort of thing. He says that the Federal Minister for Education, Simon Birmingham, says that he wants to fix the corruption at the heart of the current funding model. So Trevor says, start on the various special deals that provide billions of dollars in funding to private schools that they would not be entitled to under the truly needs-based funding model. Now this is where the dogs and Save Our Schools part company. The dogs argue from bitter experience going back to 1973 that a needs funding model always becomes a greeds funding model because the private schools are corrupt. They will be in there getting their deals. It's what they've been doing for hundreds of years. It's in their DNA. So much of the funding, he argues, goes to schools that serve the wealthiest families in Australia and it would be much more effectively used to support disadvantaged schools in both the public and private sectors. Well, the dogs would argue, of course, that the private sectors are not open to all children and they regard education for the poor as a charity, not a right. So they shouldn't be part of any 
public funding deal at all. However, the Save Our Schools people think that all education funding, whether it's for private or public, should be based on this thing called need. So they then argue that all overfunding of private schools should be terminated and the overfunding of the well-off private schools is a complete waste of taxpayer funds. Well, we certainly agree with them on that. He says then that there are several forms of overfunding of private schools that are the result of special deals with private school organisations by the Howard government and the previous Labor government. And we agree with them on that because the Lib Labs are pretty bad on the whole private school funding issue. He points out that many schools receive more funding than they're entitled to because they've been allowed to keep funding that they would have otherwise lost when the current funding model was introduced in 2014. And this form of overfunding has been highlighted by the Commonwealth Education Minister Simon Birmingham on Q&A in September. And yes, he is right. The Gillard government was responsible for this because they said to Gonski, give us a needs-based funding, but no school, no school, however wealthy, is going to lose a brass razoo. Now, a second form of government of, of overfunding and corruption is government funding that allows private schools to have greater resources than public schools. For example, the fees and donations of money uh, that wealthy and exclusive private schools get far exceeds the average funding per student in public schools. And yet, these elite private schools receive government funding of over $1 billion a year, even though they enrol none or very few disadvantaged students. Well, I can just deviate here a little to tell you a little tidbit that I picked up this week. Somebody was talking to the principal of the Scots College, Scotch College here in Melbourne. And the principal was telling them how terribly, terribly they worried, worried they were when they were building the brand new beautiful science block for their boys. And they were building it out of special stone that they imported from the quarries on the south side of Glasgow. In Glasgow, what class you are and who you are depends on where you live, whether it's the north or the south side. I'm not quite sure which is the NOCD side, that is not our class D side, but I do know that the south side has the relevant quarries that the Scotch College want their stone from. And this stone looked as if it was going to run out before Scotch College could finish its science block. Think about it, dear listeners. This is one of the things that worried the principal of Scotch College uh, in the last year or so, whether or not he could get the stone, not whether he could pay for it, but whether or not he could get something that would have the right cultural background for the school. I thought that was very interesting when I heard it. 
I was actually quite good. I was quite civil. I didn't say what was in my mind. Perhaps I should have. A second form of corruption and overfunding, according to Trevor Cobalt, getting back to Trevor Cobalt's submission, is that that allows private school to have these greater resources. Now, what's the third form? The third form of overfunding occurs between because private schools are guaranteed the same share of total government funding that they had prior to the introduction of the current funding model, irrespective, irrespective of changes in the proportion of disadvantaged students. And there's another form, a fourth form, it occurs because the measure of the socio-economic status of private schools, which is used to determine their level of government funding, systematically overestimates disadvantage in private schools with the result that they receive more government funding than they would by using a more accurate measure. So the current SES measure is an area-based measure, is not even a family-based measure, and it really is not a very... Uh, effective one at all. The submission, his submission, recommends that overfunding in the first two categories should be phased out by 21 and the guaranteed share of government funding for private schools should be terminated from 2018. It also proposes that from 2018 the capacity to contribute of schools and school systems should be calculated according to a family-based measure of SES, not an area-based measure. Well, good luck, Trevor. Good luck to the behind-the-doors deals being made at this moment by the private school interests and the various ministers of education throughout Australia. But Mr Turnbull should remember that Mr Shorten nearly got in and he nearly was turfed out by the state school vote. But that is enough for today. Uh, we live in very interesting times, and it is only on 3CR that you get these kind of discussions. It is a wonderful institution for Melbourne. It sets Victoria apart from the rest of Australia. Uh, so we hope you'll be back with the Dogs Program next week at 12 noon but it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joey here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he Says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did. Says Joe, but I did. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And 
standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes says joe what they can never kill went on to organize went on to organize from san diego up to maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize it's there you find your Says he. 